This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The government is hailing the program to bring in an unlimited number of Ukrainian refugees as unprecedented. But is it? The last time we covered this, we were waiting for details, and it looks like perhaps the devil may be in some of those. According to my read, at least, they do not address some of the barriers that many potential applicants are facing. And what do you think? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740. 4740. And right now, I'd like to welcome Giddy Mammon, a partner at Mammon, Sandaluk, and Kingwell Immigration Lawyers, and Olga Chetvertnik, a venture partner with BRC Capital Partners, and she is actively trying to bring her family over to Canada from Ukraine. Welcome. Thanks to you both. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Let, Thank you, Libby. Let us begin with you, Olga. So uh, what's it been like for you? Uh, who who are you trying to bring over and how's that gone? Well, uh, I'm trying to bring over uh, my family, uh, my two cousins, my aunt and one of my cousins, two children. Uh, it has been very challenging because uh, they left Ukraine thinking they are leaving just for a couple of days. And they ended up being in Slovakia for three weeks without the car, without few things of personal belongings. And they uh, were staying at someone's house. Uh, and right now they are uh, traveling to Germany as we speak uh, because they can't stay at someone's place for too long, right? So now they are traveling to Germany. And I hope that from Germany we can start this application process. But I don't even know how long it would take to get biometrics appointments. I don't know how long it would take to get visa either. Did, um, did did they at least take all their documents with them? They don't have all the documents with them, which uh, Canadian uh, government is requiring for visa. And this is very challenging. And although they have few uh, screenshots of some of them, I don't know if Canadian government would recognize them as, uh, you know, uh, proper documentation to upload for visa application. Giddy Mammon, the last time we talked, we were waiting for details. The last time we talked, the government said that Ukrainian refugees here can stay for up to two years without going for permanent residency. That's up to three years. But uh, what we just heard from Olga, they still need the documents and they still need to get to a Canadian embassy. Well, uh, there are there are lots of barriers that we are not clear about what is actually going to be needed. So, for example, uh, it says very clearly that people under this program uh, are still going to be subject to visa and travel requirements. So if you have one family member with a passport and another one who cannot get a passport, what happens? That's unclear. Uh, also, background checks. Um, we are still required to provide background checks. Uh, if there are no facilities nearby who are doing biometrics, or if those facilities are backed up by the numbers, 
uh, that could take a long time. Yet the government is saying that they can process these things in 14 days. But if they can't get a biometric done, what will that do to that uh, to that time? Well, it's 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 apparently weeks. Like you have to get to an embassy. So for people who are stuck in Ukraine, they can't do any of that from Ukraine. Uh, so they have to get themselves to an embassy. I mean, even most people are in Poland. Do they have to get to Warsaw? Uh, they're going to have to comply with these requirements. And even if those facilities exist in Poland, there are now, I don't know how many, uh, hundreds of thousands of people who are now in Poland all standing in line. So I, I don't, I've never known uh, Canada to have the resources to crank out a high volume of biometrics. So unfortunately, there are practical barriers. We can say as Canadians, we can stand up on a hilltop and scream out that we're ready to give out an unlimited number of visas. The reality is somebody has to process all these biometrics, and we, we simply don't have the facilities or the manpower to do that in what I think um, is going to be a time that uh, your, your guest on this show is going to be able to bring her family um, to, to Canada. And and before we get back to Olga, I'd like to give the numbers out again. Uh, give me a shout, especially if you are trying to bring somebody over. And I, I I can't even count the number of people that I've encountered that said, hey, I'd be happy to take a Ukrainian refugee into my home. Uh, but uh, this really doesn't look like that is going to help make that happen. The numbers to call 416-360-0740. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty and Olga, I I guess your relatives are at least in a good position in that they're they're going to Germany where I I don't know how many of the refugees are in Germany but it, that seems like it's a little better than than going to Poland or Moldova. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I think that what I would like to add to the process as well, uh, not only, uh, you know, we have biometrics as a big bottleneck right now, but it's also the uh, forms uh, which need to be filled out online. And to your point, I am in Canada. I speak English. I have my laptop here. I can download PDF files the government is required uh, requires us to do. Uh, but I can imagine people who are right now in Slovakia or Poland who don't have access to laptops, who don't speak English as well as I do. And all, and I know from Ukrainian community in Canada that they are struggling to download the, uh, the documents and complete the forms. And the system is crashing at the same time. So I can only imagine like what they are going through being, uh, you know, somewhere else and not having people who are able to help them. And uh, talking about Germany and Europe, they opened the doors to all Ukrainians visa-free. And not only that, they are providing uh, subsidies. Uh, Germany, for example, is providing 350 euros uh, monthly for three months for Ukrainians. They're also providing accommodation for them. Not only Germans opened up their doors, but also government is providing. And, and this is a layered approach, and, and it's a more complex issue bringing in Canadians here, because Canadian government needs to look at this. Uh, they need to set up settlement agencies government settlement agencies to meet Ukrainians here at the airport. And uh, what also I wanted to bring up to your attention that 
some uh, Ukrainians uh, don't have, uh, for example, they're not fully vaccinated. And this is the requirement to come to Canada right now, which was waived for Ukrainians. But they need to be, uh, they need to quarantine for 14 days. Where are they going to quarantine? Right? Like all these questions, there is so much to address. And Canadians, uh, like Canadian uh, government is not prepared. And Immigration Canada is one of the layers of issues we have. But what is next for them? How do we integrate them? How do we help them when they come to Canada? Giddy, I mean, the government is crowing about, I think, 9,000 Ukrainians. But those are people who are already in the system, probably people who are already here, right? Uh, That's absolutely correct. Uh, The government is including in, in their numbers people who already qualify for other categories. For example, that may be sponsored uh, by their spouses or their uh, their children, uh, or maybe they're coming as professional workers uh, or investors. And the government has expedited the finalization of those applications. The real question, the real information that I think Canadians are looking for is how many people uh, have been processed under this program that is on humanitarian grounds because they are uh, war refugees. That's the number that we want to keep track of. And also, uh, the issue of, um, you know, filing online um, is a real problem. If anybody has, you know, tried to uh, submit an application to sponsor their parents or their grandparents in the annual draw using the portal, the system simply does not handle high volume. We have people sitting all day when the lottery opens up uh, trying to get our clients in, and we can't because the system cannot handle the traffic. So now when you're going to have hundreds of thousands of potential uh, refugees uh, applying online, um, somebody has to tell me why that's going to be a different experience than the ones that Canadians have ex- have experienced when they try to bring their parents to Canada. Well, I know that uh, some of the stakeholders who have met with the government have been told that the sponsorship route is not appropriate for this particular wave of people. I know that much, but... Well, that, that could be true. Um, there's another question. Obviously, we want to be as generous as, as, as possible, with this group. But right now, the government is talking about letting people stay here up to three years. Uh, a sponsorship, for example, is for life. That's for permanent residents. But this, this conflict may be over. Like, hopefully, it'll be over tomorrow. But it could be wrapped up in a week or two weeks or three weeks. This is not a war between... This is not a religious war where people will fight for years and for years. It's unlikely to be that. It's mm. probably a strategic war where, you know, two parties are engaged in violence in order to, you know, you know, delineate some lines in the sand. Um, so I'm not sure why the government is offering three years, but if that, that's the case, that's terrific. Most people who flee war tend to want to go back home as soon as the conflict is over. So I think what need, what needs to happen is the government has to sit down and start working out the details. Uh, if there is a war, which there is, and people are at risk, which they are, maybe biometrics can be set aside. You know, we, we've, we haven't had biometrics forever. It's only in the last several years that we've had that. 
And maybe we should just take it on faith that the people who are coming are not, you know, terrorists, you know, war criminals. When they get here, we'll sort out the biometrics. But these are things that are going to be very limiting factors. It's not, you're not going to see an unlimited number of Ukrainians because it's going to be very limited by the technology that's being used, by the biometrics, uh, lab availability, uh, lots and lots of things. Yeah, I mean th- that seems that seems clear. I mean, and then they have to get here as well. Olga, what would you like to see as you know a waving of the biometrics until people at least get here? I, I agree. I, re- I agree with Gidea. I think that's uh, something what Canadian government can look at definitely. And um, I also think that many of them would like to go back, and that's the reason why they are staying in Slovakia and Poland, hoping that this uh, the war will end very soon and they can come back to their homes. If they have right? homes so, to come uh, back to. If they have homes to come back to, exactly. Um, uh, and, and I think that uh, in, in Canada... Uh, it's it's not that easy to get to Canada. Let's start with that, right? So uh, another layer of uh, uh, things Canadian government can look at: how do we get uh, Ukrainians here? Uh, can we provide airfare for them? Uh, what can be done as well on that front? Uh, so I don't think that we will see a big influx of Ukrainians, even if we have visa-free uh, entry. I, I think that it will be limited compared to what Europe is experiencing right now. I'd like to take a call from another Olga in Toronto. Hello, Olga. Uh, yes, uh, hello there. I, uh, my name is Olga. I'm from Toronto as well. And I would like to contribute to Olga Chetretnik's point, um, if possible. Please, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes. So I, I, my family um, is in Canada, and we have lots of relatives in Ukraine. For now, we were able to evacuate um, our elderly grandmother, from Chernihiv, she experienced uh, two weeks of horrific bombings, and she's very distraught. For now, we were able to house her in outskirts of Kiev. However, now that we're looking at, desperately looking at measures uh, to bring her here uh, and waiting for a lawyer to call us back and contact us, it's, it's a very inefficient and very cumbersome process. So she's in Kiev. We need to bring her to Warsaw. Not everybody has resources to you know, accommodate their relatives for months on end, waiting for biometrics and waiting for visas. Even if the biometrics is waived, let's say, during her advanced stage, still even waiting for two weeks, sitting in Kiev is dangerous. She literally can get killed any minute. That's the stress that people are going through. So I think my point is that, um, first of all, Canadian government is definitely failing Ukrainians and Canadian Ukrainians, that's for sure. They pay lip service that they want to help, but their actions speak louder than words. The help is just not there. People are desperate, and they're dying every day. And another point is that Ukrainians are um, they're a special breed, really. They're very spirited people, and they love their country. So even my grandmother, she's saying, I will come to you, but my desire is when the war ends, I want to go back to my home. So that's something to keep in mind, that a lot of Ukrainians, some of them that even will get to Canada, they actually want to contribute here, but they want also want to go back home. So uh, we're not looking at people who are just coming here to, 
you know, onload on our social services system and stuff like that. Not to mention that Ukrainians are very entrepreneurial and hardworking people and would be a huge asset to, to Canada. So, yeah, I, I and, really hope and that... And not to mention uh, that most of those people are, are women and children. The Ukrainian yeah, men are not allowed to leave. That is so true. You know, women and children, elderly, why can't they just come here, stay here? We're not talking about... Um, able-bodied men, because those men actually stayed back in Ukraine fighting for their country. You're absolutely correct. Thank you. Olga, thank you very much for sharing your story, and we wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, yeah. I I don't know. Again, it's it's women and children. Olga, yes? Yes, it's women and children, and that's why I was shocked to learn the the reason behind the resistance from Immigration Canada to provide visa-free entry. Uh, They've done it under the umbrella of of the threat of uh, some uh, security threat in a way. And when it comes to women and children, uh, I think that this is out of question. Perhaps, you know, they are worried about some Russian... uh, uh, I don't know, spies or agents, uh, but in reality, if they want to um, infiltrate into Canada, they're probably already here, right? So uh, that's, that, that's why the reasoning behind uh, not allowing visa-free entry uh, just makes no sense to me. Uh, and especially now, we, as Olga said, we need to get these people here now. They are traumatized. My family is traumatized as well. Olga's grandmother who is 89 years old. I can't, I can't even imagine what condition she's at right now. And uh, But having a family and, and just Ukrainian-Canadian community has contributed so much over the decades. Uh, we have 1.4 million Ukrainian-Canadians. Uh, this is the largest uh, Ukrainian diaspora in the world outside of, of Ukraine. So uh, I just I'm shocked that uh, Immigration Canada is not looking at that fact. That, yeah, uh, we've I think they, economy. they thought and we are, they, they probably yeah, thought the, the announcements uh, would cover it, but uh, it doesn't look that way. Uh, Giddy, before we start to wrap things up, I wanted to ask something like a different turn. Speaking of Russians, we are hearing that many young Russians are leaving the country, that there's a brain drain. Uh, because they're worried about uh, the new sanctions and the blowback. Have you started to see any kind of increase in inquiries from Russians? Uh, Not really. Um, We certainly do expect uh, to see uh, a lot of young Russians leave. Uh, Canada has always been a destination of choice uh, for Russian nationals. Uh, Right now, what we're seeing is an incredible a number of uh, people trying to get their Ukrainian uh, friends uh, and relatives uh, to Canada. That's really what we're seeing. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting calls uh, not just at the office, but in the evenings on my cell phone on the weekend. Uh, it's it's just not stopping. And uh, I just uh, want to touch on a point that you guys were talking about uh, just a second ago. Um, Canada needs a plan that they can roll out uh, whenever a refugee crisis emerges. We've seen wars erupt for many years, and there has to be a plan that just you pull out. As soon as there's a war, you plan out, you, you, you execute that plan. 
For example, you were talking. Good, good about- idea. Good. You know yeah. what? I'm I'm sorry, Giddy. I have to stop you because we are like over time. This is a fascinating conversation. I want to thank you both, and I'm sure that we will have a lot more to talk to uh, talk about in the uh, coming days and weeks. So thank you so much, Giddy Mammon and Olga Chevernik. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Right. We are taking another break, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Dr. Peter Uni. He's guided us through the pandemic, and he is soon going to leave us when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.